Coming up on the Rami Lavie podcast, both New York teams are finally starting to face some real adversity. We talk about that in the NFL. Can they keep up their winning ways despite this adversity? Also, we recap Thursday night football. Tom Brady is now 3-5 and five after losing his third consecutive game. Is there cause for real concern in Tampa? Also, the Brooklyn Nets lost again, so they're 1-4, and four, and that makes me happy. Plus, all my Sunday picks in the NFL. A lot going on on this episode of the Rami Lavie podcast. Stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experience experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10% off your first month do it today all right welcome back to the rami la vie podcast episode 107 i promise today is actually going to be a shorter episode because um i think if you're looking for more content go back and listen to 106 one of the best episodes we've done um no video tonight. Uh, that's my bad. Forgot uh, my stuff to video. So just going to be a little bit shorter. I do want to, I, I like doing this. I like to preview all the games before Sunday. So it's kind of just, you know, a Friday episode where we can get you set for the games in the NFL on Sunday, which then sets up the Sunday night podcast leading into Monday. It really, the schedule of the NFL is just awesome how that works. And then I think we might have a guest next week. So Lots of stuff to talk about, and it starts with Thursday Night Football tonight. And again, don't forget, as always, brought to you by the good folks over at BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com and use my name, Rami, R-A-M-I, for 10% off your first month of online therapy. Okay, um, where to start with this one? So I did <laughs> I did want to wrap a bow on something I said yesterday and make a correction. So I'm going to start there, even though it's kind of a minor point. Um I mentioned that Derek Jeter, it's nice to see him at one of these events. Well, the reason he was at this event, I imagine, was because it was Derek Jeter's event. It was an event for the Turn 2 Foundation, which is his foundation. Um, And so uh, that makes sense why Derek Jeter was there. Um, All right. So that wraps a bow on episode 106. Great. Now I want to talk about the Ravens because I just worked the game. I'm still at the studio. I've been at the studio since about 4.30 this afternoon doing pregame um, for the Ravens game. And uh, right now it's about 1.15 in the morning. So uh, been here a bit. We just wrapped up postgame after a Ravens win that uh, it was closer game than uh, than it felt like. Although down 10-3 at the half 
and the way they played in the first half was not great. And then uh, to win by five, cover the spread, I picked the Ravens, so I get my pick right, which is great. Uh, like I said, I've been improving. So we're really working on that. We're really building. So when I pick the games a little bit later today, uh, or tonight at this point, um, I will continue to go through uh, some of those things. So, so far, one for one on the week. Um, but I do want to talk about what happened and how the game went tonight and some things that stood out to me. And I guess working the game, I was able to take some notes and just sit here and uh, really kind of process the game a little differently. Uh and especially when it's a Thursday night game, when there's nothing else going on um, and it's a primetime game, it gives you an opportunity to um, talk about the game. Um, so that's that's fun. That's fun for me. And uh, it's fun to uh, be able to do this. The first thing that stood out to me was special teams. The special teams mistake by Tampa Bay. And this is something that Tom Brady has not had to deal with in his career. This is something that... It's a Todd Bowles team, and again, this is not a Bruce Arians team. And does Bruce Arians ultimately want to come down onto the sideline because this team looks poorly coached and this team looks like a bad team? And like I said, Tom Brady has not had to deal with bad teams in his career necessarily to this point. The teams he's had have been pretty good teams. And right now, the way it seems, this team is pretty bad. And it's not just Brady. And I mentioned it after last game that Brady looks old on some plays, but on some plays he still looks like Tom Brady, and yet still, they're still losing games because of things that the team is doing, and when on the first drive of the game, the first drive, the Ravens, they go three and out, or whatever it was, and they're forced to punt, and you send a kick down, and a guy runs into his own return man, that's just a terrible sign, that's a sign of a bad team, and that's not fun to watch if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Then the Ravens get the ball in the red zone, a chance to score, go up early, and they can't do anything. And it was a theme. It was a continuing theme from the previous week that they just couldn't do anything in the red zone. They tried to throw the ball a few times. They tried to run the ball, and they just could not do anything. They couldn't. They're stagnant. The offense stinks in the red zone. And for whatever reason, it seems like they can't score in the red zone, and they're having real issues with that, and they settle for a field goal. Then on the following drive, Tom Brady comes down, the other side of the field, and he missed Mike Evans. They drove right down the Ravens' throw, and I talked about this. If you were looking to see a get-right game for Tom Brady and the Bucks' offense, you were going to see it in this game because they were going to be able to drive the field. They were going to be able to move the ball against this Ravens' defense, and they were able to. But Tom Brady did something that you never see Tom Brady do, and he missed a wide-open receiver in the back of the end zone, and that was Mike Evans. And if not for a penalty on that drive, they end up that, that would have gone way worse People aren't talking about it with the flag, and then ultimately they score with Leonard Fournette running it in. But if that doesn't happen, then you probably look at that drive and like, wow, Tom Brady missed a wide-open receiver to throw a touchdown there. So Tom, Tom Brady and Tampa continue to move the ball. The Baltimore defense is bad. It's not shocking. Like I said, this is something I talked about. They go up 10-3, and then the slop fest starts with the Ravens taking penalties. Um, Andrews gets hurt, and both sides just in the first half um, just take penalties and Tampa Bay takes a penalty that moves them out of field goal range at the end of the half. There are just so many things that happened here and Lamar threw the ball 30 times in the first half. And when you watched it at the half, you're saying this Ravens team might actually be broken because their secondary gives up a ton of yards and their Buccaneers might not be that good. They look sloppy. They're not playing well. Both teams are playing with penalties but the Ravens just, it felt like they didn't have an identity. And this is what I talked about. They win these sloppy games 
that don't really that aren't really here or there like that you don't really the games that don't have an identity to them and this felt like another one of those games but they were down 10-3 and at that point they had thrown the ball 30 times and had only run the ball eight times and Lamar had only run it twice and at that point you're like what is going on with this Ravens team what is going on with Greg Roman and I know last week everyone talked about how Lamar only threw it 16 times and it's like, well, how's he only throwing it 16 times? Like they need to throw it. He's their star quarterback, but 30 times in one half and he was 19 for 30. Not bad, but he missed a bunch of throws. It was not great at all. And he just didn't look very good. And the offense was never in rhythm, never in a flow. And then they come out the third quarter and they're a completely different team and give Greg Roman, who I've hated on, give uh, John Harbaugh credit. They, came out and they changed the game plan and they adjusted on what they saw in the first half and they changed it in the second half. And in the second half, they started to run the ball. So after only eight attempts in the first half, they ran the ball 25 times in the second half. And after Lamar throwing the ball, 19 of 30 for 144 yards in the first half, in the second half, he was eight for eight with 94 yards and two touchdowns, one of which was to Isaiah Likely, who had his breakout game, the guy who everyone was talking about. If you listen to the Ravens staff during training camp, he got his opportunity with Mark Andrews going out, and we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye. Apparently, it's not a serious injury for Mark Andrews, but we'll keep an eye on that. And with Mark Andrews going down, Isaiah Likely got his opportunity and made the most of it. He balled out. He played awesome. And they just started running the ball. And once they started running the ball, and they said after the game, Harbaugh said it, that this was the game plan. The game plan was to throw it early and then run. But when you run the ball the way they did it, set up easier throws. And those quick plays, those quick play actions, and the quick action and the quick designs that they ran in the second half, all those throws are relatively easy throws for Lamar Jackson. Not a lot of them. There's only eight of them, but he was eight for eight. He also ran the ball seven times himself for 45 yards after only running the ball twice for one yard in the first half. So... Lamar Jackson all of a sudden turns into a different guy in the second half. When you open up the running game and open up his own running game, the passing game opened up as well. And that doesn't mean he was moving out of the pocket to pass. It just meant he was he was opening passing lanes for him and he was standing in the pocket and delivering throws downfield, intermediate throws, you know, those swing passes to the outside that was working well on those uh, screen plays. Everything was working and Tom Brady started to look old. I mean, that's really what it was in the second half. And yeah, he was still able to drive down the field on them once. But Tom Brady, like I said, it's not looking great for the Patriots. I don't think Todd Bowles is a uh, Patriots. The Bucks. <laughs> it's not looking great for the Patriots either. But we'll get to that a little bit later. It's late. It's like 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> um, but uh, the Bucks don't look good. They don't look like a well-coached team. They don't look like a talented team. And they look like a team that has a lot of holes. And they look like a team that has a really old quarterback that maybe should not be playing in the NFL right now. And I know every time we say this, he proves us wrong, but this is now three consecutive losses. This is now the first time in his career as a starter that what is, that he's two games under 500 at three and five. I don't see how this is going to get turned around. And look, they're going to make the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, I think the Bucks division is terrible. I don't see anyone from that division. Carolina essentially tossed in the white towel um, or is waving the white towel. Uh, whichever one, white flag, tossing the towel or waving the white flag. One of those, the combination tossing the white towel. Perfect. I made up a phrase. Um, I think, like I said, Atlanta is like decent, but they're not that good a team. And unless New Orleans, because I think they're the last hope, unless New Orleans uh, comes out and all of a sudden becomes a totally different team uh, than they were so far this season and the defense picks it up, I don't foresee that happening necessarily. I think... 
seven and ten, eight and nine can win this division for the Bucks. So they could sneak into the playoffs, and then once they're in, you never know what happens. They could start clicking at the right time. Still, Tom Brady, I still wouldn't bet against him. But three and five, and it's not just three and five. It's looking the way they've looked the last three weeks. There should be major concerns surrounding this Tampa Bay team, and I think finally uh, the media and the national media is going to start telling you that there are major concerns surrounding this team. As far as the Ravens, you build. It's not pretty. You haven't had wins that look pretty. as their first back-to-back wins of the season, right? And it doesn't look great for them, but it doesn't matter. None of that matters as long as you're getting the job done, as long as you're actually getting the wins. And at this point, you're 5-3. and three. You take it. You take what you can get. On a short week, going to Tampa Bay, it's still Tom Brady. It's still the Bucks at home. It's still a tough environment to play, and it's still a good defense. Uh, and you went in there, and you won a game on the road on a short week. Uh, credit to them. Like I said, it's not. It's not. It wasn't a pretty game. It never seems like it is with the Ravens, but they found a way to get it done. They found a way to win, and that's what you have to do in the NFL because you can't discredit wins. I talked about it with the Jets and the Giants. You can't. You just can't do it. You can't discredit wins. A win's a win in this league. And speaking of the Jets and the Giants, as we transition over to that for a little bit. Um, both those teams are now dealing with adversity. The Kadarius Tony situation is obviously not ideal for the Giants. The Giants did not want to have to trade a guy who they traded up in the draft to take um, a first-round pick in Kadarius Tony. That's not the guy you want to have to trade. But unfortunately, it was not working out. They were fed up with him. They didn't get along. There was an issue, something going on in that facility. And what tells you that this organization is ran really well is that we didn't hear anything about it. We just saw that he was traded and that tells you everything you need to know. So he was traded because he needed to be gone. He needed to not be there anymore. And that's okay. That's fine. Like it is what it is. Unfortunately, that's how it played out. They probably wish there's no one in that organization. There's no one on that team that wanted it to play out that way, but they did. And it, he could end up being a very, very good receiver, uh, for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And that would suck for Giants fans to watch, but they recouped what they were able to recoup. Not ideal, but you had to move off that guy. For the Jets, obviously, they've dealt with adversity. You started to talk about losing maybe the two best players that they've had all season long. And that's not to say take anything away from Quinn Williams. That's not to take anything away from Quan Alexander. That's not to take anything away from Sauce Gardner. I think those three guys have been excellent as well. But you look at Brees Hall and you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, they were the entirety of the Jets offense. Elijah Vera Tucker moving around and playing every position on the offensive line and what he's been able to contribute. Brees Hall and him carrying the team on his back, quite literally the way he's been running the ball. And ultimately for his career and if the Jets are going to compete in the long run maybe resting his legs is not the worst thing in the world you know uh spin zone that one that's the positive spin on that one but um I think they're dealing with adversity they're dealing with the Elijah Moore situation he's going to come back and play this week I think when you see teams dealing with adversity and dealing with it in a relatively positive manner um I, I think that shows you the true sign of a team that's well coached and a team that plays one here's a compliment for Robert Sala I think this team actually has a very positive vibe about it I think this team has a toughness about it and I think that's a Robert Sala thing I think he is a very positive influence on this team and like I said sometimes in game he seems a little bit underprepared a little bit not so aware but a positive vibe and a winning culture is something that's important I talked about it with the Knicks I talked about it with every team that I root for building a culture even in losing seasons, I hate tanking because I always believe in building a winning culture and teams learning how to win. 
It's, it goes the same for the Jets and the Giants, and it's about time you can't discredit these teams and what they've been able to do. And it's not like they haven't dealt with any adversity. Every team in the NFL deals with that adversity, but they're starting to deal with it, and it seems like they're actually dealing with it pretty well. Uh, and I can't wait to see how that continues, and I look forward to their games on Sunday. So speaking of the games on Sunday, it starts in London, and at 9.30 a.m., we have Jacksonville and Denver in London. I used my method. We'll see how it works. I thought Denver was going to be favored in this game, but Jacksonville is still getting the love from Vegas. I thought Denver, even with everything going on, that team is awful, but that defense is really good. I don't think the Jags are much better, although it's basically a home game for the Jags with how often they play in London. They've done this before. Russell Wilson is a joke. He's pathetic. Um, him doing the high steps. We already talked about this on the flight. All that weirdness. But for some reason, Jacksonville's minus three and a half. I thought it would be Denver minus one and a half. I'm going to take Denver plus three and a half in this game. The next game I have over here is Atlanta and Carolina. That is in Atlanta. I said it was going to be Atlanta minus six. Uh, I saw two separate lines. Um, I saw Atlanta minus four, and I saw Atlanta minus six and a half. I'm I, I'm going to stick with Atlanta minus four. I'm going to take Atlanta uh, to win and cover the minus four. Then we had Dallas hosting Chicago, and Chicago coming off a primetime win against the Patriots. I thought they'd be getting a little bit more respect, so I thought it would be Dallas minus 7.5. It's not. It's Dallas minus 9.5. So I'm going to take Chicago. I don't think they're necessarily going to win, but I think Chicago can cover this game. Like I said, Dak still looks a little rusty. Um, Tony Pollard, like I said, also <laughs> might be the better running back on this team, but they still have a tendency to lean heavily and lean heavily that is on Zeke Elliott um and the Bears we know what the game plan is going to be they're going to run 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 and run some more but Justin Fields looked like he could actually run and contribute to this offense and he finally actually looked really good against the Patriots and maybe the Patriots are that bad but we'll talk about that when we get to the Patriots and Jets game the next is the Dolphins and the Lions the Lions are at home and I thought it would be Miami minus seven and a half because like I said I think the Lions are just on an endless downward spiral that has no end in sight. After Tua playing one game back to get his feet wet and get back in the flow of things, I think he's going to start balling out and playing with Tyreek, and we're going to see that early season success that we saw from those two. The line is only three and a half for Miami. I'm going to take Miami to win and cover. Also at one o'clock on Sunday, Arizona is traveling to Minnesota to face the Minnesota Vikings. I just assumed the line would be bigger because of how much everyone loves Minnesota this year. And Arizona, while looking better lately, has not looked good. But for some reason, the Vikings are only favored by minus three and a half. I guess it would be minus seven. So I'm going to take the Vikings to win and cover the minus three and a half. In New Orleans, it's going to be the Las Vegas Raiders traveling to New Orleans to face the Saints. I don't think this Saints team is particularly good. There are only two and five on the season. I thought it would be a bigger spread. I thought Vegas looked really good last week, especially the way they scored 21 straight to end that game. Like I said, it was actually a closer game than that, but 21 straight to end the game. I thought it would be minus six and a half or something. It's only one and a half for the Raiders. I think the Raiders will win and cover. Yeah, they're two and four. The Saints are two and five, but I think the Raiders are riding a little bit higher right now and are actually the better team in this scenario. All right, it's my Jets. They're at home against the Patriots. And I'm thinking, how could they not be favored, right? The Jets coming off these wins, it doesn't matter. You won in Denver. You won 
in Green Bay at Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers. How could you not favor this team? And the way the Patriots lost on Monday night against Chicago, I was like, there's no way the Jets won't be favored in this game. And yet somehow the Patriots are favored in this game. And I talked about everything we talked about. The Jets coaching staff and the players were talking about the humiliation that they had in that 50-something to 13 loss against the Patriots last year about how the Patriots kept riding up the score. Like I said, Bill Belichick, especially coming off a loss on national TV, loves to humiliate the Jets. But it seems like right now, he just doesn't have the personnel to do it. He doesn't have the team to do it. Mac Jones is going to be starting. I don't love Mac Jones. I think the Jets defense is really good. Somebody posted something where they're playing one high safety on one side of the field to uh, help the corners on that side. And they're literally putting Sauce Gardner on an island. So when teams run a formation with trips on one side of the field, they're putting Sauce alone on the other side with the number one receiver, and he's shutting them down. It's literally a reincarnation of Revis Island. I, I mean, I just pray to the Lord that he does not get hurt because it is as special a player as I've seen the Jets have in a really long time since prime Jarrell Revis. Um, yet still... The Jets are plus one and a half. I thought they'd be minus three and a half. Again, for the third consecutive week, I'm going against my senses because my senses tell me stay away from the Jets games. Don't bet the Jets games. And I haven't been betting them. And maybe they're just taking major stock in AVT and Brees Hall being out. And that's why the line is Patriots minus one and a half. But I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me. I think this team is actually really really good I think this Jets team has shown that they're better than this Patriots team and for all the reasons I said I still think the Patriots have a very good shot at winning this game for you know AVT Brees Hall Bill Belichick wanting to beat them down yeah the history is all there but I think it's going to be a rocking crowd I don't like that they're moving off of the black bottoms and white jersey look although I thought it was not a good look but they were 4-0 while wearing that uniform uh, so I don't like that they're moving off of that but they're doing the all black with the black helmets for the Jets. That was obviously uh, predetermined that they're going to be doing that. So if they lose, I'll just blame the uniforms. So uh, win-win for me either way. Uh, but um, like I said, I think there's no reason why the Jets cannot beat this Patriots team. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the AVT, we talked about it with the Patriots against the Bears, how the Pats got owned in the trenches. But I think Mac Jones is going to have defensive lineman in his face all day with Quinn and Williams and JFM and those guys rushing him. Uh, they're going to be able to get pressure and they're still going to have guys running around in the secondary. The Jets defense looks fast. It looks strong. It looks tough. And then on the offensive side, I still think the Jets are going to try and run the ball and still be able to do it successfully. Look, the Bears are a decent running team. They're not a great running team and they made the Patriots look like a terrible run defense and they're so one-dimensional. I don't think the Jets are as one-dimensional on offense as the Bears are. I think if the Bears were able to line up and just run straight ahead and they knew the run was coming and the Patriots couldn't stop them, I think the Jets should be able to run a little bit, run some play action over that, off of that, open up the field a little bit for Zach Wilson, get him some easy throws to guys like Elijah Moore, um, who's coming back, and to Garrett Wilson, who they're going to try and put on the outside, put more on the inside, see how that works. I think more in the slot. I talked about this last year. I think more in the slot is where he actually should be. Um, and I think that's ultimately going to do the Jets really well. All right. The Eagles are playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I nailed this line. It's minus 10 and a half. And yet I'm still going to take Philadelphia. Again, um, Pittsburgh looked really bad last week against Miami. They beat themselves so many times. And when you think back to the Pittsburgh game, yes, they beat the Bucks, But you think back to the game against the Bills, which is the only team they got blown out by. So 
If you truly think the Eagles are as good as uh, people think they are, and they're coming off the bye, they're still undefeated, they're 6-0. and uh, If people think they are as good as they've played so far, I think a lot of people are going to be taking uh, the Eagles, even though it's a huge spread, it's 10.5. Everyone knows I don't love taking big lines, but I still think um, they have a, uh, a, a, a great chance to win this game. And not just win, but cover the 10.5. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I think the like you know, like I said, the only team that the Steelers were blown out by was uh, was the Bills. But two touchdowns is not a ton, and so to win by ten or thirteen or eleven points, I don't think that's crazy. So Philly minus ten and a half, I'm going to take the Eagles, and you just gotta believe that that team is actually really that good. All right. Also, we have the Texans and the Titans. Um, and I thought this line was going to be, and this is the 405 game. I thought the Titans should have been favored by like eight and a half. The Texans aren't that good. Yes, they hang in a lot of games, but they can't close out games. And they end up getting blown out at all of them. They're one four and one on the season. This is going to be a game where I think both teams are going to be running the ball the entire time. So maybe it wasn't a huge line because there's not going to be a lot of points scored, but Tennessee minus three and a half. I'm going to take Tennessee in this game to win and cover. I think they'll win by at least a touchdown against the Texans. Like I said, the Texans are one four and one. Damian Pierce is going to run the ball all day. Derrick Henry is going to run the ball all day. There's probably going to be 60 rushing attempts between the two teams at least. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't doubt that. But at the same time, even though that's probably going to keep the score down, I still think a touchdown game is not crazy. Um, and I think Tennessee is going to win by more than a touchdown. And we talked about this. Rabel just has his team prepared. And before you look up, this team that you talked about being such a bad team, they're 4-2. and two, And they're playing pretty well at this point. And uh, don't look now, but they're probably going to win the division again. They're probably going to be a top three seed in the AFC. And what they do in the playoffs from there, they'll probably fail. But uh, like I said, this team is better than you think. Maybe not as good as some of the other people think, but I think they'll easily beat the Houston Texans in that division game. Another game from the AFC South, a division that I'm just so done with. We're going to get to see the... Debut of Sam Ellinger uh, at home against Washington. Is that 425? I'm not sure why they're playing a late game. I guess it's in Indianapolis, so maybe that's why. I'm not sure what the time... I don't know what the time difference is. I feel like... Do the the Colts usually play at 425? I I don't think they do. Um, But they're playing at 425 at home against Washington. I thought it would be Washington minus one and a half. I thought Washington with Heineke looks like a different team. and looks like a really good team. But lots of respect in Vegas for Ellinger. Maybe what he did in the preseason is giving them a nice impression so it's the Colts minus three and a half I'm gonna go the other way I'm going to take the commanders to cover the plus three and a half maybe lose by a field goal maybe even win this game we have the Rams and the Niners and last time I talked about this game it felt like hey this is a big game it's the Rams the Niners blah 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 the Rams at risk again for falling under 500. They're three and three. The Niners are under 500, three and four. It's in LA. I don't think that matters so much. The line I thought was going to be the Niners minus three and a half. It's actually the Niners minus one and a half. I still want to take the Niners, so I'm going to take the Niners in that. Uh, case I thought the line should have been bigger Um, and look Sean McVay when he has these games that he's angry and he wants to prove a point he generally wins those games but this team doesn't look like the same team that Sean McVay has had in the past years Matthew Stafford looks washed and maybe coming off a bye week he's had a little bit more rest so we'll see but I wouldn't bet on them I'm going to take the Niners after a full week of getting to figure out that offense with Debo in it with Ayuk And obviously with Christian McCaffrey, I think it's going to be a special game from the Niners. 
And that brings me to the last 425 game, and that is the New York Giants against the Seattle Seahawks. And it's, I saw this tweet from the Talking Giants account on Twitter, uh, which is a John Boy account. It is the Eli Manning benched for this guy bowl. There's only two guys in Eli Manning's career who he was benched for. He was benched, obviously, for Geno Smith and that whole controversy. And then ultimately, he was replaced by Daniel Jones. So the only two guys to ever replace Eli Manning are Daniel Jones and Geno Smith. And they'll be playing each other. And they are both in the midst of putting together career years. Uh, I thought it would be Seattle minus two and a half. It's still minus two and a half. I'm going to take the Giants. I know it's in Seattle. I know it's hard to play there. Everything I've seen from this Giants team has impressed me. And I know that Seattle has looked extremely impressive at times as well. And Kenneth Walker has looked good. And Geno Smith has looked good. And that defense has looked better than expected. But the Giants are the most well-coached team in football. Daniel Jones looks like a different guy. Saquon Barkley looks like he's on a mission. Like I said, they've dealt with adversity and they've come back and they've passed with flying colors. I'm going to take the Giants in this game. I think the Giants keep rolling and keep it going uh, and win another game. The last game is Sunday night because I'm not going to pick Monday night football now. I keep saying this and finally I'm going to do it. I'm not going to pick Monday night football. I'm not even going to look at the line because I want to guess the line Uh, I guess on Sunday or whatever when I do that podcast. So we have the Packers going to Buffalo and everyone and their mom is picking Buffalo. Buffalo is favored by minus 10 and a half. I thought it'd be minus eight and a half, but people are just out on the Packers. Like, yeah, it's official. The Packers actually stink. They're just bad. And I, I'm having a hard time saying that because the defense still looks pretty good at times. Rogers still looks pretty good at times. The receivers stink. I'll give you that. And they definitely need to trade for a receiver. But they're not running the ball enough. They're having opportunities. They're getting up in games. And they're having opportunity to win games. And just the play calling and the the scheme, I guess, that they're running is just not good. And so I'm not willing to take Buffalo minus 10 and a half. I, I'm just not. I, something about the optics of Aaron Rodgers still to me says that he'll find a way and this team will find a way. And a team with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in the backfield will find a way. And so those two guys and Rodgers, I think... I don't know why I still trust them. I don't know if they'll win. I doubt they'll win, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers to cover. And can you imagine, though, if the Packers lose and then the conversation again is about Brady and Rodgers, only now both teams are three and five, and now it's really looking bleak, especially if Minnesota wins and Carolina uh, is playing against Atlanta. So one of those teams is going to win. So neither of those teams are going to be in first place in their division. It's going to get real dicey in the media next week. Uh, the conversation is and already tomorrow on Friday today, I guess people are going to be talking about Brady and the national media conversation. It's, it's going to get loud and it's going to get tough for those two guys who are Hall of Famers. And that's why it always sucks when you see these guys. You don't want to remember these guys that way. Um, that's what happens when you stick around just a little bit too long and sometimes it's the competitive spirit in these guys that makes them want to stick around but uh it's it's backfiring on those two guys right now i did want to talk about the brooklyn nets it's so funny because i went back and forth on twitter the whole postseason with oriole fans uh you know clowning on the yankees and i'm like you guys don't need to hate on the yankees we hate on the yankees plenty and also you guys didn't even make the playoffs like you guys overachieved but you guys were celebrating winning 80 games like like enough like relax like we made it to the American League Championship Series, although I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, we're really good. I think the Yankees team was pretty bad, honestly, outside of two months. But whatever. I'm not talking about the Yankees. But I also said I could never be a fan. I don't understand a fan who could always just, even when their team stinks, just get so much pleasure in another team that they hate doing poorly. 
And that all changes when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. For some reason, I despise the Nets. And I love Kevin Durant. I loved him in OKC. But for some reason, once he went to Brooklyn, and I loved Kyrie Irving also, and for some reason, once he went to Brooklyn, and Ben Simmons, I've never liked. And just that team irks me, and I don't want to see those guys do well. And Ben Simmons airing, uh, putting up an air ball, a layup air ball. He's so scared to shoot in the paint right now. He's so unsure of himself. And Richard Jefferson says he's like, yeah, he's like kind of caught in between. He's caught in between on a two-footer? Like, what are we talking about? And Kyrie, as he's passing it to him, yelling, Ben, shoot! <laughs> I mean, that was that was too funny. Um, and then Kyrie going, like, you guys are giving him such a hard time. He's just started playing. And, of course, the Nets were just going to fall apart. They had the lead, and if it weren't for KD, they would have gotten blown out. There were certain possessions where Kyrie was just bringing the ball up and just dribbling and dribbling. And I'm like, how are you? It's late in the game. How are you just not getting the ball in Kevin Durant's hands every single time? Kevin Durant is stupid good. The rest of his team, I could do without. They're 1-4 and four now after losing in overtime. Luka Doncic goes for 41 points, 11 rebounds, and 14 assists for the triple-double. Absurd triple-double in an overtime win at the Barclays Center. And I am thrilled about it. This Brooklyn Nets team is a mess. They are actually, it's hard to watch because they look like they should win every game because it feels like if Durant shot the ball in every single possession, they'd actually just win every single game. He's that good. He's as good a scorer as I've seen in my lifetime, Um, but they don't do that. So I can't help them. I'm not running the team. Steve Nash looks like he's in way over his head. Uh, And everyone talked about, well, once we get all these guys playing together and healthy and we get chemistry and we get a flow, uh, this team's going to be really good. Do I think this team's going to keep up a pace where they're one and four, where they're only winning, what, 20 percent of their games the whole season? No, they'll probably win closer to 60 or 70 percent of the games over the course of a regular season. Like I said, last episode, the uh, the beginning of the NBA season can be weird sometimes with how uh, the results happen. But uh, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts and seeing them discombobulated and seeing them in distress and not necessarily enjoying playing with each other is fun for me uh, so I'm gonna enjoy that all right I'm gonna let everyone else enjoy their weekend those are my picks for Sunday that's the recap of Thursday Night Football I'll talk to you guys after all the games on Sunday night. I'm going to be working on Sunday in the studio producing a couple shows even though there's no football I'm still working um, there is Jets games there's a full slate of football there's just not Ravens football Lots of other stuff to talk about, I'm sure. And like I said, next week we might have a guest on the podcast in the middle of the week. So a lot going on, a lot to recap, a lot to discuss. Uh, So until next time, like, subscribe. I say it all the time, but please share the podcast. It does. uh, It just means so much to me. And I had actually a few people reach out to me today saying how much they like the content. And I did think if you go back and listen to episode 106, it was one of my best episodes. um, And I thought it was really great. So If you enjoy it, just share it with a friend. It it does so much for me and reach out to me and tell me you like it because that means a lot to me as well. Uh, And um, like, subscribe and rate and review Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Till next time. See you. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know
down Riverside See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning We pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close And the Broadway streets are alive I need your heartbeat close Don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air When I land in another city And I'll be